0: Yeah, it's a huge honour to be here. I'm very, very keen. I'm going to just put my Bible on the ground and that is not because I'm like not using it. I promise. It's just for the sake of space. And I've got all my Bible verses up here. So I just want to let you know because that looks a bit dodged. Anyway, so let's begin. So who can remember or just think about the last time you received a letter from someone? And I'm not talking about a bill or some junk mail or just advertisements or things that you don't really want. I'm talking about a handwritten letter from someone you love. So I've got a collection of letters here. I love, love, love handwritten letters. I think I've kept every single one I've ever gotten. Some people in this very room have written me letters, and I think some of these are over 10 years old, which is Hectic to think that I'm that old to have letters that are 10 years old, but still, that's fine. <laughs> letters are so, so special. There's something really personal about them, something really beautiful about someone sitting down and handwriting you a letter and then giving it to you. So this is kind of what Philippians is like. Paul, he's a guy, and he sat down in prison, in fact, and he handwrote a letter to a church that he loved deeply, Now before we get into this passage, these uh, first 11 verses that we're going through tonight... It is super, super important whenever you come to the Bible that, um, well, I find it super important to have a general understanding of the context, what's going on, what's going on for the author, what's going on for the people who are receiving it. It just gives us a lot of detail that we may not immediately get from the text itself. So I'm just going to let you guys in on some, some things that I found through my readings about what's going on in Philippians. So like I said, Paul was in prison when he wrote this. So Paul is a guy who was given the mandate by God to go and take the gospel message out to the Gentiles. So he's in prison at the moment and he is writing to a church that he loves so much. Now, a fun fact about uh, the church at Philippians is in fact a lot of the church leaders there were women, which is pretty cool, and that was culturally acceptable for them. The women in Philippi were known to be really um, respectable, to be really pious and upright, and um, yeah, they were entrusted. Some of them were entrusted with the leadership of the church, which is pretty cool. Now, Philippians is a bit different to a lot of other Paul's other letters. Often there's one big theological issue or a few things that are going on in a church that Paul is writing to correct But in fact, this one is a letter from Paul to a church that he founded and to one which, for the most part, he's pretty well pleased. So he does have some personal uh, reasons for writing. Like I said, this is a letter and he has a relationship with this church. He's got his own reasons. So one of them is... They sent a man named Epaphroditus to Paul and Epaphroditus went to help Paul. Epaphroditus went, but he got really, really sick. So sick he almost died. So Paul is writing back to Philippi, letting them know that Epaphroditus is okay and confirming that he did a good job. They are affirming Epaphroditus, saying he did well. He was a good servant. Second one is that the Philippian church sent a gift to Paul and he was super, super thankful and he wanted to show his appreciation for that gift. Third one was he simply wanted to know, let them know how he was going. So this was a church that partnered really tightly with Paul. So he wanted, um, and who had been praying for him, so that he was updating them on what had been going on. And the last one is probably is likely to commend Timothy to them. So Timothy is someone who worked very closely to Paul and the, he, Timothy probably wasn't very well known by the, the church at Philippi. So he wanted to, um, yeah, and Timothy was going to go to Philippi very soon. So Paul was kind of sending his seal of approval, like this guy's legit, he's good, welcome him, listen to him. He is a servant with me in Christ. So he's commending Timothy to them, um, yeah, to receive him well. But there were a few pastoral concerns I'll go over. So a big one is that Paul recognised the need for unity. So the church, there was a bit of division among the leaders, there was a bit of infighting, and he's like, guys, like you are all in Christ, and he really wanted to heal that. Another one is that suffering is a big theme of his letter. He is suffering in prison. They are also suffering with what's going on in their church. There's a lot of opponents, but joy is always very closely linked to that suffering. And the third one and the last one I'll mention is that the believers were facing some challenges from outsiders. So there were preachers who were stirring up trouble for Paul. There were Romans who were against the gospel, pushing against the church. There were Jewish Christians who were forcing Gentiles to obey their customs, which they didn't need to do. And there were some Gentile Christians who Paul said were walking as enemies to the cross of Christ. And there were some false preachers in there as well. So there's a lot going on in this church. Paul's checking on on them and just making sure they're okay. Now there are two major themes in this letter, the gospel of Christ and the community in Christ. So Paul's driving passion in all of this is that, and these are quotes from Philippians, is he is defending and confirming the gospel to advance the gospel for the defense of the gospel. And he is writing it to the Philippians for their partnership in the gospel. And so the gospel is central to his theme here, as it often is with Paul, appropriately. But it is really, really important, this theme of the gospel. And... You will notice that also Christ, the phrase in Christ, dominates Philippians. It's in there 21 times, which is pretty crazy for a book with only four chapters. So it's a big, big theme. Alright, so now that we have that in the back of our minds, we kind of know what's going on for Paul, know what's going on for the church, we're going to jump into this first bit. Now, so you guys know what, where we're going um, what I'm going to do is, is we're going to, it's going to be a bit of a roller coaster at the start. We're going to go through the first 11 verses, verse by verse, giving you, uh, yeah, giving you some insight into what they mean. And then at the end, we're going to slow down and we're going to think and reflect on an one application point that I think particularly is important for us today. So that's pretty much what's going to happen. Let's get stuck into it. So Paul opens. Paul and Timothy, Servants of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. So you might notice that right away, first two verses, Paul uses the name Christ Jesus three times. He's immediately establishing what this letter is about, what it is focused on, what it is centralised himself and Timothy are servants of Christ Jesus. The relationship of the church to Jesus is one that is in Christ Jesus. And they have grace and peace from the Father and Jesus Christ. So he is very upfront, straightaway, dominating theme of the book. So another thing to notice is that he, his use of all when talking about God's holy people. He uses it here and he uses the phrase all of you, four more times before verse 9. And this is immediately establishing Paul's concern about the divisions within the church. He wants to emphasise his desire to heal this disunity and for them to once more understand and identify as all of God's holy people. Alright, let's move on to his opening section. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Paul prays deep and passionate prayers. He loves them, he thinks of them often, and he prays for them. Verse 5 is where we get an understanding of why he loves them so much and that is because of their partnership in the gospel from the very first day till now. So the very first day here means essentially when they came to believe, when the church was established. From day one they accepted Christ and they have partnered with him. So further on in the letter Paul is more explicit about what this partnership actually looks like. They partner in many ways but I'll just give you a few. It says that they pray for him in his afflictions by their own suffering and their faith in Christ through their radiant witness by the mission of Epaphroditus and through their regular financial support of Paul. So then he goes on again in verse 6 and he says being confident of this that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus so so uh, this verse can often be interpreted as a the basis for personal confidence, so God began the good work of salvation in me, and he will bring that to completion in me and yes, that is one application of what um, what is being said here, but that that misses the connection to what um, he has in the verse before. So what he is saying is that that good work is intrinsically connected to the koinonia that is in their partnership. So the word partnership is translated to koinonia, you may have heard that before, and that can also be translated to community. So this partnership, community, koinonia, this togetherness, through which he is, um, they are partnering, is the good work that God is doing. So, we're going to come back to these few verses because this is where I think holds the key for us today or part of the key. But we're going to move on for now. Verse 7. It is only right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart and whether I'm in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how long for all of I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. So we don't have much time to spend on these two verses but just take notice again of the term all of you. He uses all of you 3 times. He really really wants to emphasize that he loves them all and Christ's work is for all of them. He's just hammering it into them. There is no division in this church, so there is not to be. So then he moves on in verse 9. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. So before this point in the letter... Paul's prayers were all focused on thanksgiving. He was very thankful and gr- uh, yeah grateful for the church at Philippi. But now they move from prayers of thanksgiving to prayers of intercession. He has some things he wants to pray for this church. So love is the absolute centre here. So loving is a dynamic process. He says he wants it to abound more and more. He wants this love to grow through knowledge and this word knowledge here is talking about having a full knowledge of God, a full knowledge of who God is. So he wants it to grow through knowledge and also through depth of insight. And this insight that he's talking about here is the, having the ability to judge right from wrong. So he wants you to know God through and through so that, and also to have the ability to judge from what is right and what is wrong. So it's only by insight that love has a direction to to act wisely in ways that give healing, joy and life to those who are loved. This combination of knowledge and depth of insight unites the personal knowledge of Christ and a practical understanding of people. Knowing Christ and understanding people are both necessary for love to abound more and more. And then we come to this little phrase, this little clause, I think it's called, and that is so that. When you hear so that, your ears should always prick up. That is incredibly important because so that is connecting what has come before and giving reasons for why Paul has said what he said. So he wants their love to abound more, to grow, so that. And then he gives two reasons for this. That they can discern what is best and that they may be pure and in here that... He means pure as a community, as being sincere and without hidden motives, and blameless for the day of Christ. Now he's not talking about here an individual perfectionism. He's not, this isn't a time where he's calling everyone to individual purity. What he's saying is he has a great desire for the perfection of the community, of the koinonia. Now, Paul concludes this section with his desire for them to be filled with righteousness, which comes from Jesus Christ. And the purpose of all of this is that God would be glorified and praised. Alright, so that is our overview. That was very fast. That was our overview of those first 11 chapters. Now we're going to come back to verses 5 and 6 and consider them a bit more. So there is heaps in this that holds great significance for us but there is just one thing that I want us all to consider tonight. So this partnership, this koinonia, this community working together to proclaim the gospel that Paul talks about in verse 5 and 6 is incredibly important. The church in Philippi participated in this not only by their support of Paul, but also as their own community proclaimed the gospel. Paul encourages this church by reminding them that God will strengthen them and that it is he who will be the one who will keep carrying out this work of proclaiming the gospel through them. We are a part of this same partnership today. Yes, we may not be literally supporting Paul and sending him money and things like that, but I want us to consider how we as a community are partnering in this proclamation of the gospel. (coughs) So I want you guys to be thinking now. What work of gospel proclamation do you think God has started within you? What is it that God wants to do through you and his people? What work has God already begun in this community? Now I know that I said before that this is not an individualistic proclamation of our faith and that is not at all what I'm talking about here. But what I want us to think about is what seed has God placed inside of you that he wants to bring into completion through the community of believers. See, I believe that God gives us things he wants to achieve through us. But so often it's not without heaps of people around us that they actually um, get done. So, for example, this very event tonight was God planting seeds in the hearts of individuals. God began with Aaron and Laura, but it is through the community of believers that God made this actually happen. It required others to jump on board with the vision God gave Aaron and Laura and allowing God to bring them into this space. Well think about another example. 17 years ago, God placed it on Julianne's heart to love those who are far less fortunate. And from that started a whole ministry called Manna that has been going for um, going till this very day. But Julianne did not do this all by herself. God planted it in her, and then through our church community and others around her, they caught sight of God's vision. And then we have a thriving ministry today that is so beautiful. One seed, an army of believers. But it doesn't have to be the big stuff. Maybe there's someone in, um, in your life that you want to know God. Get people around you to help support you and your heart, to pray for you, to pray for them and to love them. This, there is an unimaginable amount of things that God could place inside you and it isn't important how big or small it is. What's important is that God placed it there because he wants to accomplish it and he has chosen you to be part of that process. And I believe that there is always stuff that God wants to do through us. No matter who we are, if we love God, he is going to be doing things to share that love with other people. So you're going to get some time tonight to reflect on what those seeds are that God has placed inside you. But this is where I challenge you to have courage. Be courageous in faith, trusting that those things God has placed inside you, he will finish be courageous in prayer even when it seems impossible trust that god has got you and he's got the situation be courageous in sharing your heart and this one is a little more scary but we were not designed to carry this mandate of proclaiming the gospel alone It's hard putting your heart out there and telling people that you think God has something he wants to do through you or through this community because maybe it doesn't go right, maybe you were wrong and it's a bit anxious and it's a bit scary. But that's what God wants us to do. Take that step out, share it with people. Trust that this is God's, not just ours. It is not all on you. He wants to build you up with other people around you who have also caught his vision. A community of people who can help support each other, who have different gifts that they bring to the table, who deeply desire to love and see the word of God proclaimed. We are not in this alone. We have each other and most importantly we have God, the one who wills and enacts his purposes through our lives. Finally, I challenge you to have courage as you wait. Sometimes those seeds take years to grow. There may be times when you want to give up and you start to doubt because you can't see any progress. And I can actually relate to this um, pretty well. A few days before I sat down to write this talk, about a year ago, God said to me, he wanted me to do something and pray for something. And I've been praying for a year, pretty much every single day. And I was praying and praying and I just can't see anything. And I was driving along in my car and I was like, when does God want me to stop praying? When is it time maybe his will has changed? Maybe um, maybe I got it wrong. I don't know, like when, how long? And then I sat down to write this talk and I saw this verse and I literally just cried and I was like, yes, God, you are going to do this no matter what, even though I can't see it, even though it seems um, unlikely, you have put this inside me, so all I have to do is trust now. But a year may not even seem that long. Some people take years of patience and love and giving without seeing. But I encourage you to be courageous and have trust. Have patience. It's not always going to be easy. But if God has started it, He will finish it. Be bold in your patience. Have faith that God has not abandoned you or the work he wants to do through you. So you're going to have some time tonight to think about these things, to think about what God um, wants to do, if to listen to God, to hear from him, to ask him. So you're going to have a chance to do that and share it with your group, but also you're going to have a chance to hear from other people in your group and what they think God has put inside them. Because it's not just about things for us, we're a community community. What vision can you jump on board with? What person can you be praying for? Who can you help support? What gifts and talents can you um, give to someone else? Whose vision of God and what he wants to do can you catch tonight? God has so much that he wants to do through us and there are so many of us here. This is an incredible community. I have no doubt that he already has so many things in motion and he's got so much more. So we need to be bold listening, asking, supporting each other, knowing that God has got this. I'm going to pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your goodness, Father. You love us and you have given everything for us. I thank you that you, in your mercy and in your grace, have chosen us to be instruments of proclaiming your beautiful gospel. And I just pray tonight that your Holy Spirit will be stirring up people's hearts. For things that you have started, for things that you want to start, Father, I just pray for boldness, for courage, to listen to your voice, Father. And if you want us to do it, we will go. And I just pray that tonight that you will be drawing us and encouraging us and showing us what you want us to do. Give us a better vision, Father, of this world of this community, Father. And I thank you so much for everyone here and I just pray that you'll move powerfully tonight. Amen.